Network presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. We are through the college preview season, and now we bring in our man Achilles Reign. And guess what? We got the NFL to go through. Now, we have to do this a little bit uh, quicker than we usually do. We don't get the month lead up. We barely even get the uh, true week lead up to our NFL preview. So we're going to break it down in three parts. We're going to preview the AFC teams, the NFC teams, and then do our player futures and much. Uh, Like our college, we got a 25K pot to uh, put our NFL future bets on. We're going to give you what we like in NFL player futures in both the player and team department. Uh, Achilles, after some health and safety protocols that... uh, delayed our NFL preview show and uh, set us back a couple weeks. Are you ready to dive in and get in to previewing the NFL season? Yeah, man, I'm ready. Listen, I'm feeling a lot better. I know you're feeling a lot better. So uh, I'm just eager to get to talk some football. It's been, it feels like forever. So I'm ready. Let's get going. Yeah, we get to talk some football. And then Thursday, we get to make our picks. Uh, well, I know we want this a little bit uh, usually earlier, but uh, Stuff comes up, so uh, we're going to run through it. We're still going to give you a good preview. So, part one, we're going to get into the AFC, and we're going to start with the AFC East, and we're going to show you how we think the AFC East is going to finish. Uh, We both got Buffalo on top, and then uh, we got Jets and Miami. Uh, You have Jets second. I have Miami second. You have Miami third. Jets third. I thought the most interesting thing about this is somehow— We both have New England in last place uh, in the AFC East. Let's start talking about Buffalo. Is there any chance any of these three teams you uh, think can, you know, injury barring? I think that just probably needs to be said outright. Anything injury, big players get hurt, things change. But uh, health permitted anywhere, any of these teams can jump up and get Buffalo or they're just a step above here. Well, I mean, listen, they were a step above last season, even with uh, as impressive as New England looked throughout the season, which a lot of people didn't expect. I still think that Buffalo was definitely the team to beat, at least in that division. And from their acquisitions during the offseason, whether it be through free agency or through the draft, they seem to have only gotten better. So I don't see how there's any chance, barring an injury, that any of these three other teams can contend with Buffalo. They just seem too poised to make a, a, a big run at a title. Yeah, I I can't really see you maybe could convince me that Miami hits the ground running and and could sneak up there. You look at Buffalo's schedule. I I mean, it is a first-place schedule. They got a lot of difficult games in there, but, you know, they also play, I I think, the uh, AFC East teams. And really, I I don't think this of the AFC, I, I think, is easily the you know, really weakest division, I I think, overall. Maybe you could argue that the uh, AFC South is, but, uh, I I mean, Indianapolis and Tennessee have been two playoff teams consistently, and and I don't think 
really since Tom Brady has left, you could say anybody other than Buffalo has been all that consistently good. Uh, even New England playing well last year, I, I don't think either of us really thought they were all that good a team, and they uh, proved out. So I do think Buffalo gets their wins, and I don't think they overcome. Why do you think the Jets are going to make a leap here into second place? You know, interestingly enough, it's not so much about the Jets making that much of a leap. I think they got better this offseason. Yeah. I still don't think they're ready, but it's more of a I've kind of been somewhat trusting with Miami over the last couple of years. And it seems like every time I put a little bit of trust in them, they seem to let me down. So it's more of a I want to see what two is going to bring this year. I want to see what the new acquisitions with Tyreek Hill and all that are going to do this year. Um, I just it's really hard for me to really trust this team because of how good they have been. They just can't seem to climb that hill. And that's really the big emphasis as to why I put them below the Jets. Yeah, uh, I think I have a little bit more faith Jets wise if Wilson hadn't got hurt and we got a little bit of, you know, some question marks coming in early into the season to see where he is. But I do think uh, they've surrounded him with some decent talent. The defensive side of the ball should be uh, pretty solid here, and I think they can make that leap. I just think Miami with the weapons, they they have definitely on the outside now with Waddle and Hill. Uh, you know, they've brought in a handful of running backs. Uh, none I think we'd consider elite, but they're all sort of speedsters, and they fit, uh, you know, McDaniel's system, uh, you know, Shanahan's system, I think probably is what we should put it down as, uh, you know, a, a Shanahan-type zone-blocking system. So I think those running backs could be successful. And, and Miami's defense has always been pretty solid uh, the last handful of years. I, I look for that to continue. So I think they can probably hit that 10 win mark maybe uh you know the last two years they've won nine games last year 10 games the year before it's been a bit uh, a little bit of unlucky that they haven't hit the playoffs which uh, i think if you ask teams they probably wouldn't know that miami's won 19 games and if you look over the last two years uh that's sort of in the top tier of afc teams and wins so i, I think they'll be in and around that mark again it's just whether they can sneak in the playoffs with as deep as the AFC is. Let's get your thoughts on New England. Why do you think uh, they're going to be just at the bottom? I mean, I have my reasons. They're probably the same as yours. But w what do you think of New England here? Listen, honestly, it, it all comes down to, one, I, I think that we're going to see a bit of a regression at the quarterback position. Uh, not to say that, you know, he's not talented and he won't get better, but you see it, you know, timeless times happening, uh, especially with the second-year guys. Uh, they come out kind of in a flash and nobody really knows them. You start watching some tapes, some defensive coordinators get tape on these guys and they start noticing some of the little subtle things that they do wrong or some of her tells, and, and they seem to have a bit of a regression. Um, and, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at this year. I look at this New England team and Lux is going to probably kill me when she hears uh, this, this recording. But um, in my opinion, I feel like New England did the least to improve their team overall, uh, you know, especially with the success they had last year, I would think that they would really kind of go all in and say, you know what, this is our future. Let, let's try and make something happen. Let's bring in some big name guys. And if anything, I felt like they brought in a lot of mid tier guys, uh, nobody that's really going to impact uh, what this team was progressing to last season. Uh, and even then, we saw a big drop off later on in the in the season as teams started kind of figuring out what what the players were doing. Uh, so I kind of expect some regression this season. And and just looking at the improvement of the other teams in that division, that's the reason why I have New England in uh, fourth place. Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna. I, I read something the other day. So 
If I told you who has the number two payroll of skill position guys, that is wide receivers and tight ends, who do you think it would be? Oh gosh, uh, you know New England is known for, for being a little stingy with uh, with the way they pay their players, but I would probably have to go to someone in the tight end position, maybe. Well, New England has the second highest payroll of skill position guys, $72 million on wide receivers. Yes, and I did end. read that. That, I, I, uh, I, now, I, I, if I told you to list the New England Patriots receivers and depth chart of tight ends, how far do you think you could go? And at what point do you think any of those guys are elite? Because none of them, uh, I think, even remotely tick the elite box so that's I, I read that and you just don't think of it because they spent all that money the year before but they don't have anywhere near uh you know skill position guys even like uh you know like the seahawks have lockett and Metcalf. uh you look at the chiefs room they got rid of tyreek hill but it's still kelsey and schuster and valdez scantling and hardman and the rookie sky Moore. and you just got you got Janu smith you got nelson aguilar it's just a sort of mismatch of, okay, these are okay players, not, wow, that guy can really take the top off the field and hurt me. And listen, and that's exactly, it goes back to what I just said. It, you know, it's, they they went outside of the normal Patriot thing and, and they seem to pay players. The problem is that the players that they paid, at least in my opinion, aren't guys that are going to come in and completely change, you know, the trajectory of this team. Uh, it seems like a lot of mid-tier guys, and I mean, no disrespect by this, uh, but maybe Bill sees something that we don't see. Maybe he just sees the, the system, uh, you know, coming out ahead in this, in this type of roster. But I, I just don't see enough talent there to warrant, especially – Especially that, that, uh, yeah. that, you know, it's a lot of money they're spending. And I know I read that somewhere a while back and it's in the back of my head. So when I was doing my rankings, it, it kind of was in the back. I just couldn't remember what it was. But yeah, they paid a lot of money to a lot of mid-tier guys, in my opinion. Yeah. And you mix that with having spent that money on mid-tier guys. They had to release a handful of defensive guys. Couldn't really get in that market. So that defense that really carried them. Uh, really the last two years uh, is weaker, I, I think, this year. A and then this weird situation with the coordinators where they don't have coordinators. Uh, it it's going to be a team of people calling the offense and defense. And, you know, granted, defense, I leave that alone. Bill pretty much would be call calls the defense anyway. Uh, but offensively, I, I think that's really, really weird. You mentioned regression with Mac Jones. I just... This team sits, you know, I, I think they could beat a six-win team, possibly if things go wrong. Now, early their schedule's really difficult, then it gets a little easier mid-season, but I think a lot of difficulty could be had if things start to spiral, especially if the Jets uh, make a little bit of a leap and Miami has owned them over the years and Miami's better and Buffalo's better. So I think this could be a down year uh, for the you know, the New England Patriots. I'm curious to see how this works out. All right, let's get into our futures uh, here. I got a couple in this one. I, I got a handful of Bills ones. Uh, 
mostly like uh, Super Bowl ones here because there's not a lot of value in Bills like win total and stuff. So I have Buffalo Bills to beat the San Francisco 49ers at 55 uh, to 1. The Buffalo Bills to beat the Philadelphia Eagles at 100 to 1 in the Super Bowl. I have Buffalo Philadelphia to meet in the Super Bowl at 65 to 1. And Buffalo Indianapolis Colts 13 to 1 AFC Championship game. I, I really like that one. And then I think this one's probably my favorite one, exact order of how the division's going to finish. Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots, uh, 62.50 on that one, and it pays 13-1. to 1. I, I think that's a nice little thing because you slip those Jets above the Patriots there and see if you can hit that one. Uh, Patriots, I have win total under 8.5 wins at minus 105. I have 250 on that, and then a couple Dolphins ones. Uh, long shot one, Dolphins number one seed. Maybe all these uh, teams put their stuff together, and uh, that's 19-1. to 1. Uh, Dolphins AFC East is plus 450. Uh, Dolphins over eight and a half wins minus 135 uh the next one i really really like uh dolphins alternate win total over 10 and a half and that's getting you plus 230 they've been around nine ten wins I, I don't think it's a reach to say they could get to 11 11 wins and getting a nice little juice at plus 230 and uh this one i thought had pretty good value too dolphins highest scoring team 30 to 1 uh i, I think with waddle and hill you might be able to sneak that in there because I, I think everybody thinks, you know, Chiefs, Bills, blah, 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 are always the highest scoring team. But if you go back and look, it's always uh, a, somebody a little weird. Last year, you know who the highest scoring team in the league was? If I had to take a wild guess, I would probably say Minnesota. It was the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean they were they were up there for the first half of the season. I know that for yeah. sure. Um but yeah, it's a little it, surprising. It's just always somebody weird. Now, consistently, Buffalo and Chiefs are always in the top five, you know, Chargers. But uh, I, I, it's always somebody weird who also gets a bunch of defensive touchdowns. That's really what factors. The Cowboys got all those pick sixes early in the year, which count as points total. So uh, just a, a, what I like there, Dolphins highest scoring team, 30 uh, to 1. What do you like uh, futures-wise here in the AFC East? Uh, listen, I've got I've only got a couple. I, I went a little different route. I, I kind of followed the dyna dynamite uh, strategy here. Just went with $1,000 bets down the league. So uh, I've got the AFC East uh, forecast here, and I've just got two bets here, which is just the Bills to finish first and the Jets to finish second. And that gives you plus 1,100 uh, value, which I thought was pretty good value, especially if yeah. you are of the mindset that, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have that regression from the Patriots and the Dolphins uh, situation with, you know, two of them. Can he really step up with all these new weapons that they've added to him? So I, I thought that was pretty good here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have a couple other ones. I, I didn't focus too much on, you know, one division. I tried to kind of, you know, sparse it out throughout the, throughout the uh, you know, futures, prop bets and different things. So, uh, but yeah, I, I like some of the ones you made and I'm probably gonna have to take a few of those myself. All right. So let's move to, uh, Really, I, I, everyone says the West is really, really tough, but I think this North division, uh, you know, could be really, really, uh, you know, difficult, uh, especially uh, once Watson gets back. If Cleveland can sort of hold the line and stay in and around 500 uh, by 11 games into the season, I, I mean, that's four, I, I think, really, really good teams here. So, uh, 
You have Pittsburgh to finish first. I have Baltimore. I have Pittsburgh second. You have Cincinnati second. You have Baltimore third. I have Cincinnati third. We both have Cleveland last, but uh, really in this division, I, I think basically you can interchange any of these three teams. Uh, you know, it, it's do you think Cincinnati uh, can build? on what they did last year. Uh, you look at Baltimore, who were 8-2 and two up until the point when, you know, everybody started getting injured, including Lamar Jackson. So you look for a bounce-back season there. And then Pittsburgh, I think, is the biggest wild card because what they've had at quarterback basically the last three years uh, – is uh, barely a human being and <laughs> certainly not a human being who could throw the football forward anymore. Now you go into, uh, you know, Trubisky and Pickett. How much does that improve your team and how much is the curve there? And I, I think the biggest question is, can we get improvement from the offensive line? It, it wasn't all Ben. Uh, it didn't help Ben that his offensive line wasn't any good, you know, either. So you got an old man who can't throw the ball very well in a bad offensive line. Can they get that running game going uh, to sort of protect, uh, you know, whoever's going to play quarterback, Trubisky or Pickett. I'm pretty sure Trubisky probably start the season move into Pickett, maybe later on if things aren't going well. Uh, I think the defense will be fine. So how did you uh, sort of come about how you thought the North would uh, sort of uh, spin out this year? Listen, I looked at it exactly as you mentioned it. I feel like these three teams, the ones we have in first, second, and third, are pretty much interchangeable uh, based off just how things go. You know, you look at Baltimore, they've been probably the best team in this division over the last couple of seasons. Their biggest issue has been, one, they had no weapons uh, for Lamar Jackson, uh, and two, health. You know, they seem to get hurt all the time. Uh, it's always been their, their biggest downfall. You saw, you mentioned it last season, they were having a really good season until everybody started getting sick or hurt. And after that, I mean, it was pretty much the ghost of the Ravens, even though they won a few games and they managed to stay in contention, they just couldn't close the, you know, close the door and, and finish some of this, uh, finish this division off. Um, you look at Pittsburgh, probably one of the best run organizations of football. Uh, you talk about consistency with coaching consistency with, you know, their drive for excellence. Um, even when their defense doesn't have all the big names, they still seem to be able to do enough on the field uh, to, to be considered one of the top defenses. Uh, and we saw it last season, you know, even with Big Ben and, and him being pretty much a statue back there, if he wasn't already when he was younger, I think getting some new blood uh, in, in that backfield is going to revitalize that offense, an offense that has some pretty good weapons when you look at it. Um, and I think that even if somewhere down the line they had to make the change from Trubisky, uh, I still think that this team is pretty much set for the long term. They're well run. They're, they have a track of, of success that, uh, you know, we can all point to and be like, this is why I, I trust this team. So that's pretty much my thinking with this. And uh, Cincinnati, um, listen, they did a really good job last season. I think they got a lot further than people anticipated they would. Um but this offseason, they seem to have made so many drastic changes, spent so much money bringing new offensive linemen, all these things. And sometimes you wonder, did you change too much? Uh, we, we've seen it happen several times with teams that are very close to winning a championship. They changed too much, and that team is no longer the same. Uh, and with the Browns situation, listen, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the of the trade uh, with Houston. Um, I've said, you know, I've said my piece about that before, but – 
I just think that that's too many games for them to be able to be relevant. Uh, I think that if it were, you know, four, six games, maybe you have a shot. But I think this many games, it's just too much to make up, especially with such a tight division, with such competitive division. Uh, I think that's going to be their downfall, which is why I have no doubt, at least in my mind, that that's a fourth place team. Yeah, I, I think mixed with that, I think also you, you throw in Jacoby Bursett as the backup quarterback. Uh, early in his career, I, I thought he was a pretty solid backup quarterback, but uh, if you watched him play in Miami last year, uh, he was really, really bad. Uh, Miami's bad stretch sort of started when Tua got hurt in that uh, second or third game of the season, and then Jacoby Bursett had to go in there and take over. And I, I just don't think he's really a very good quarterback. The only argument you could probably say for Cleveland is maybe that defense buckles down and they sit there and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, you know, 35 times a game, grind out and maybe sneak a few wins in there and are, you know, four and six, five and five going into when Watson comes back. The, the problem with that is, you know, the AFC is just so, so deep that, you know they aren't going to win the division, and then you're basically probably playing for like maybe one open wild card spot. Uh, I, I think I tried to do my wild card spots for you know a handful of these team futures, and it's like five teams probably battling for one, maybe two spots. You know if you start putting teams you think are automatic into the playoffs. So I, I just, I don't know if they can overcome that, but I, I will give them a shot if they can get to sort of four and six, five and five uh, with Cleveland. Now, also, we don't know what Deshaun Watson's going to look at. He he hasn't played football for two years. So <laughs> I've, been, I, I, I've been saying that since the trade happened. I don't know if integration, throwing him right back into that, into, you know, the tail end of a football season with these kind of teams and defenses is really going to be you know, all that much. And Cincinnati, I think, is interesting because there are, like, two camps sitting with Cincinnati. There's a camp that sees that they've improved and gotten their team better. And, you know, say what you want. They got to the Super Bowl last year. But I, I think if you play those playoffs, you know, 10,000 times, that might be the one time that the route for Cincinnati sort of opened up with basically freakish stuff and every type game you, you you know you open with that oakland game where they have the goal line stand on the three yard line uh you move to that tennessee game where derrick henry comes back and he's banged up and hurt and you know ryan Tannehill basically wins the game for you and then in that chiefs game they're getting absolutely mauled in that first half the weird goal line stand there, and then whatever the hell happened to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in the second half. So, you know, they did win. They did play well. But the the camp sort of like, was that a little flukish? And will they sort of stay around? Or they have so many elite talents, uh, especially on the offensive side that are still on rookie deals, which is what allowed them to sort of spend all that money on, you know, higher level players along the line, uh, improvement on the defense, which is what gives them, you know, you'd probably say this year, next year, 
before, you know, all three of those receivers, with the way receiver money is being thrown around, I'm not sure you can pay all three of those guys, you know, $30, $35 million. And then with the way quarterback money is going around, Lord knows what it is going to be for Joe Burrow when that rookie deal comes up. So it's just interesting, sort of, the two camps. I sort of sit in the middle. I think they'll be better than they were last year, but I don't know if that necessarily will translate to like a return trip to the Super Bowl. I think they'll still be a very good team, but I don't know that means I'm penciling them in for the Super Bowl overall. All right, let's get into our futures uh, here for uh, this division. I didn't have as many because, you know, as we talked about, I just, I I didn't have a great feel for this division. I, I think there's so many good teams. I didn't want to take a stand. I got a couple on the Ravens. Uh, Ravens 49ers uh, Super Bowl 95 to one. Uh, Ravens Eagles Super Bowl 150 to one. Uh, you know, if the Ravens put it together, I think that's a, a pretty solid bet. Uh, and then uh, Ravens and Eagles both win their division uh, as a two-team parlay plus 550. I thought that was really, really valuable. I keep the Eagles uh, in your mind because of uh, team bets, uh, there is a lot uh, from my side on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Cincinnati, I just had Cincinnati, Kansas City, Tampa Bay win their division 10-1. to I-, I thought that was really good value uh, because I-, I think Kansas City, Tampa Bay, at least favorites to win theirs. Cincinnati, pretty solid bet, uh, you know, to at least be in and around the top of their division. So 10 to 1 on that kind of value I thought was pretty good. And I had nothing for Cleveland or Pittsburgh because I I just, I don't know what to expect for those teams. Those are sort of watch and and see how we get uh, during the season. Anything for you in the AFC Central? Well, honestly, I don't have too much for the AFC uh, North. Uh, I do want to bring it up really quick before I forget. I have one more for the AFC East, uh, AFC East which was the Dolphins to make a wild card uh, spot at plus 260. I thought had decent value, especially if those guys can get things together. But I do have some player uh, uh, prop picks uh, later on for the uh, North. All right. So let's move to the South. This is probably easily the, I don't know. Them in the East probably battle for the weakest division, but uh, I I think everybody's really, really high on Indianapolis. Uh, Bringing in Matt Ryan, we both have them number one. Uh, We have a little bit of a a difference there. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Tennessee, Jacksonville in our picks, and we both got Houston uh, sort of bringing up the rear here. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts on Indianapolis uh, out of the Carson Wentz business into the Matt Ryan business, how much does this improve their team? And, and what do you think uh, the Indianapolis Colts ceiling is this year? I have the Colts finishing in first place in this division. Uh, and I know that this has been Tennessee's division pretty much back and forth with uh, the Colts over the last couple of seasons. But uh, I just feel that them going to a guy, an established proven veteran like Matt Ryan, uh, after the Carson Wentz, uh, you know, fiasco. I think it's only going to improve this team. This is definitely one of the teams that has one of the better defenses, not just in their division, but in the league. Um, and they've had pretty decent, you know, production out of the weapons. They've got one of the best running attacks with Taylor. And I think bringing a veteran like Matt Ryan, a guy who's seen pretty much everything, he's been to the big game. He's seen all kinds of different defenses thrown at him. I think it's only going to improve this team. And, and they do have a small window because of, 
all the different tryouts that they've had at the quarterback position. But I feel like this is probably their best shot at getting as far as they want to. Um, it, it really is going to fall on health and whether they can keep up the same production they've had over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I'm really high on Indianapolis here. I, I think there's enough juice in, in Matt Ryan uh, to sort of last another couple of years. Uh He's been solid in Atlanta, you know, nothing like he was, you know, in that mid part of his career. But I I think he'll be good here in Indianapolis and, uh, you know, leaps and bounds and improvement from Carson Wentz and, you know, Phillip Rivers, who was on the very, very back end. But even then, uh, I I thought Indianapolis was able to sort of even build around Phillip Rivers and his limitations. And I think Matt Ryan is a a little bit more explosive still, got a little bit more juice uh, left in that arm and legs than Phillip Rivers. Uh, You know, Jonathan Taylor probably uh, took the title of best running back in, in the league last year. So I, I and you know Indianapolis's defense has been solid you know now for uh, three or four years. I look for that to continue. I, I think the uh, sort of swing team here is Tennessee. You know, Tannehill comes back. They do this weird thing with the receivers where they don't pay AJ Brown. I, I don't hate that, I, but you know, then you're limiting what your outside explosiveness is. I, I get it. They bring in Robert Woods, but you know he's an older receiver who's coming off a major, major injury, and you know you bring in some rookies and you know say what you want out of you know commie propaganda coming out of training camps about how great rookies are. Uh, then we watch during the season and they end up with twenty catches, and you're like. Well, I thought he was dominating training camp, and a lot of people dominate training camp in shorts. It's different once you get out on the field. So, uh, and the Derrick Henry question probably looms the largest over this. You know, he, he was really, really good the first half of the season. Foot, you know, breaks. He comes back in that playoff game, and he did not look right. Now, how much of that is him just sort of rushing his way back off a foot injury. How much of that is, this is uh, now a very old pickup with a lot of miles on it and now sort of bad feet. How are you looking at Tennessee's season this year? Uh, And then, you know, uh, the bad news over the weekend is now Landry uh, tears his ACL out for the year. So you you lose one of those pass rushers, which was a huge, huge part uh, of Tennessee's defense sort of making an improvement uh, from the year before. So how do you uh, sort of outlook uh, Tennessee's season here? Well, listen, you said it. You know, they definitely had an improvement last year. You know, the previous year, they had one of the worst defenses in the league. They gave up just about everything. And and we expected at least a little bit of it that last season. And I felt like, you know, we got, we didn't get as much as we thought. Uh, I thought they were much improved compared to the previous season. Uh, now, obviously it was uh, a bit of an Achilles heel. They were exposed during the uh, postseason, but 
as you mentioned, now they're losing guys to injury. They lost A.J. Brown on the offense. Uh, Derrick Henry, another year older, another year of wear and tear. Did he come back too early? Should, should he have even come back during that playoff game? I think I was one of the few people that said that I, I thought he should just sat that one out. The Tides were having success with their backup running backs, you know, for the previous uh, couple of games uh, while he was out with injury. So I thought they rushed him, but... Uh, I think there's just too many unknowns with this team. I know that they've been really good, uh, you know, over it feels like almost a decade now that they've been at least better than mediocre. Uh, it just seems like things are starting to the wheels are starting to fall off the wagon, so to speak. And and, and we're starting to kind of see all the uh, little glitches in the system. And and I hope that's not the case. I know that they brought in Robert Woods. You know, I love Robert Woods as a former Ram, uh, but I think he's more of a locker room guy because yeah. I don't think at his age after that injury, you're bringing him in for production. I think you're bringing him in more for culture, for the type of culture that he brings uh, to that, to the, you know, wide receiver uh, room, but you got young guys like Phillips and then the, and they look really good in practice. But as you mentioned, this is practice, you know, there's a reason why a lot of this doesn't translate into actual games. It's because it's easy to run in shorts, as they say. Um, and I'm just not sold. I, I still think they're a good team. And if they can get most of their stuff together, I still think they can contend for this division. I just don't think that they're dominating the way we saw them dominating a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I want to get in these bottom two teams. Uh, Jacksonville, who had the number one pick, uh, went out in free agency and uh, sort of went the uh, New England Patriots model and spent on a lot of sort of middle-tier guys, I, I'd say. But I, I don't want to hate on that method because that's – an upgrade over a lot of what they had on the roster. I think Travis Etienne uh, sort of coming back uh, after, you know, blowing out his ACL in his rookie year will improve them. And uh, probably the biggest improvement is the room is uh, Urban Meyer will no longer be there at football coach. Uh, you know, say what you will about Doug Peterson, but he at least knows how to run an NFL locker room and sort of game plan for an NFL uh, game here. I, I think Jacksonville's sort of stocking up pretty decent talent, especially on that uh, defensive side of the ball. Where do you think their improvement will be, and how much of an improvement do you think uh, Trevor Lawrence will make uh, from his rookie year, which you could probably say was a little disappointing, but, you know, looking at that situation, uh, I, I don't know if there's probably a worse situation to go to other than maybe when we get into the Chicago Bears and uh, whatever the hell is going to go on there. But uh, do, do you look for improvement over Trevor Lawrence this year and maybe a little bit of an upgraded uh, sort of Jags team this year? Well, listen, you always look for improvement, regardless of whether you're a second-year quarterback or a 13-year quarterback. You're always looking to improve in this league, and it's no different with him, and I'm sure he's looking to make leaps and bounds over what he did last season. As you mentioned, I think the biggest uh, plus for this team and for this organization is the fact that Urban Meyer is gone. Uh, he was definitely... Um, a cancer, so to speak, in, in that locker room, in that organization. Uh, it felt like that might be his... insulting to cancer. <laughs> Listen, it felt like, you know, he really held him down at, at times. I know that it was, you know, I was looking back at some film and Trevor Lawrence, there was a few throws that he made throughout the season, especially in, in key situations where I'm sure he wanted to take those throws back, but he wasn't let loose. And I, I feel like with, you know, with Peterson there now, he's, somewhat of a of a quarterback guru is yes. what they call him um 
I, I think that he's going to help his the development. The only time Wentz was ever good was uh, when he was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, other other teams thought that they could match what Peterson had with Wentz, and uh, we saw why he's in uh, the position that he's in now. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I do think there's going to be some improvement here. I just, I, it's really hard for me to see that big of a leap. I, I feel like at this point, you win five games this season. It's an improvement based off what you did last season. So they could still have a bad season and it's still something to be positive about because they're heading in the right direction. And I, I do think that Lawrence is a good quarterback and I really hope that he develops into it. I just, you know, as far as the pros are concerned, I haven't seen it yet. So uh, that all that stuff remains to be seen. Yeah. Anything on the Texans, they're hyping up, you know, the rookie running back Pierce, uh, you know, Mills was, I think he's getting a little overhyped now. Everybody's, you know, wow, what a rookie season. And I'm like, well, yes, if you're a third round pick and you look at it from the eyes of a terrible team and, you know, those last five games, he was great. And I'm like, well, yes, that's easy to do when you're three and 15 and none of the games matter and you can pretty much do whatever you want. But I will say he, he did play solid down the stretch. Do you think they're going to be the worst team in the league or do you think they can sort of bounce up from that. Honestly, you look at the offensive side of the ball. They got some players, and if the rookie running back turns out to be a, a good player, I think they could score some points. I, I don't know about defensively, but, you know, Lovey Smith has always been a, a coach defensively who can create turnovers. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if the talent's there to sort of do that type of thing, but uh, what are your feelings on the Texans? Listen, the Texans were last year's joke, and, you know, it's very unfortunate uh, because it, it really, well, I guess it kind of was their fault, but it also wasn't. Uh, a lot of it had to do with surrounding with their quarterback controversy. But, yes, it's good. It's easy to look good when you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Uh, they they were having a losing season. Uh, you just kind of go out there, you just sling the ball. And listen, nobody has more experience with – trying to feel good about something bad than I do as a Ram fan. I mean, I remember really bad years where, you know, our quarterback or our running back would go for, you know, a few hundred yards in a game. And I'm like, yes, things are looking up. And then I look at a record we're two and 14. I'm like, okay, things weren't really looking up. So it's hard. For, I don't want to, you know, uh, I, I, they did good things. We talked during the off season about how they were going to have a hard time. They didn't have a lot of assets. They acquired some assets through the trade. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of money because of the money they tied up. They're starting to free up a little bit of that money. This is a work in progress. I still think they have a good chance of being the worst team in the league, but I don't think they're, they're that bad. I I think they can be okay. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a work in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league. I think they'll be a little spunkier than that. There are a couple other teams that I just look at and are like, whoa. I think this one will be one of those where through three Would you, quarters, be, su- would you be surprised if they were the worst team in the league? No, but okay. I, I think this team will play harder than some of those teams that I think will be the worst team in the league. I, I think they'll sort of grind out four or five wins, uh, and steal a couple when teams come and they are not ready to play. You know, they hit or a couple offensive them. plays. You know, Cooks gets deep, has one of those games. You know, I, I 
don't think anybody knows, but Cooks is like one of like three receivers to have like eight straight thousand yard seasons. Yes, I know yes, he's been passed I saw that stat. like every team in the league, but he, he's a productive receiver. So you know, I, it wouldn't shock me that the, they'd be the worst, but I, I think they'd be a little better than that. I think they'll play hard, which I, I don't know uh, about some of these teams. So let's get to the futures here. I don't have a ton other than the Colts. I have a lot on the Colts. Uh, Jags, I got two of them. AFC South winner plus 750. Uh, You know, if if something were to happen to Matt Ryan, we don't know what we're getting from the Titans. We don't know quite what we're going to get from the Texans. And if Ryan goes down, I don't know what the Colts uh, quite, uh, you know, do there. So I, I think 750. Decent value there. And Jags winning record plus 320, I think is pretty decent value as well. Texans, I got nothing. The Colts, I have a lot of money on. Uh, Super Bowl Colts, <laughs> twenty-two to one on that one. I, I like that one. Colts to beat Philly, two seventy to one. I, I think that's that'll be a nice one. It uh, value wise, Colts to beat Niners, one fifty to one. Uh, Colts Niners Super Bowl, Colts Eagles Super Bowl, uh, ninety-five and one fifty to one. Uh, Colts versus Chiefs AFC Championship game. I was really surprised by this number, nineteen to one. I thought that was that's pretty decent value because, I mean, I don't put the Chiefs are the Colts quite up there with Chiefs Bills, but I think they're in the probably the leader of that second tier pack of Cincinnati, Baltimore, Chargers. You know. Raiders, those type of teams. So I, I like that 19 to one on that one. Indianapolis Colts number one seed is 11 to one. I think if you look at this division and the Titans fall back, you're now looking at a division where they play two teams of Titans, Jags, Texans, and you know, the bills with that schedule, the AFC West and all those teams I think 11 to 1 really good value on that one and then Colts to win the AFC 12 to 1 Colts exact order division I I really like these uh Colts, Jags, Texans, Titans, and Colts, Jags, Titans, Texans. You sort of flip, thinking Tennessee, if they fall back and you put the Jags in there, you get 80 to 1 and 8 to 1 on those two uh, ones. And then exact order, Colts, Jags at 7 to 1, 125. And then my last one, uh, Tennessee Titans, uh, most points given up, 50 to 1. they finished two years ago, like you said, their defense was really bad. They were second in the league in that one. So uh, I, I really like that 50-1, uh, to one, especially with the Landry injury. And if things uh, really start to slide downhill for the Titans, I, I wonder if that sort of ship sinks and we sort of regress back to the defense two years ago. What are you looking for out of the AFC South prop-wise? Listen, I've got a couple here, and uh, I think I'm going to double up on these when we turn to the uh, NFC uh, side of things. Uh, But listen, I've got this one here, uh, the Colts, as the number one seed in the AFC. I know it's a bit of a long shot at plus 1,000, but here, let me give you my logic. They're ranked 32nd in the NFL as far as strength of schedule based off last season. Yep. Okay, so you put a pretty good team with a pretty good defense, a pretty good running attack, and a veteran quarterback in a division that we're not quite sure how things are going to turn out, I think you have a pretty good shot there. Um, another one I've got here, I've got the Colts versus the Rams to reach the final 
at plus 6,600. Um, again, uh, if I'm thinking that the Colts are going to be the number one seed, they have a pretty good shot at making it all the way. And if that's the case, you look at them with the defending football champs, that gives you pretty good odds, especially since the Rams, uh, I think, were ranked like third or fourth overall to uh, to get back to the big game. Um, and I know I had another one here. I'm just trying to locate it really quick. Oh, here it is. Um, AFC South and NFC West divisions meeting up in the final at plus uh, 1,800. So still pretty decent value there. And again, if you're using the logic that I used about strength of schedule, going to biggest defending champs, all three of those bets seem like pretty good, even though they're long shots. Yeah. All right. So we move from the South into the Wild West of the AFC. And uh, if... Every team tried to improve themselves in one division. This was the division. So uh, the Chargers bring in a bunch of defensive guys. The Broncos bring in a quarterback. Uh, Las Vegas brings in offensive weapons and defensive weapons. And the Chiefs uh, sort of remold how how they're going to sort of be productive. I did find it interesting, even with the add-ons of all these divisions, we both still think Kansas City's probably the top dog here. Uh, we we differ on Vegas. Uh, I have them second, you have them last. Now, I, I think basically Vegas, Chargers, Denver, it, it's, it's a dice roll. Uh, you, you're just guessing how these three teams, because you look at the Chargers, talent-wise, they're probably on equal level of the Chiefs, but I don't know if anyone has noticed, but they haven't made the playoffs in... <laughs> With all this talent. Now, granted, the defensive side is improved, but a lot of those guys are still there. And, you know, Khalil Mack, as much as I love him, has not exactly been a dominant presence off the edge the last couple years. So it's hard for me to be real aggressive on saying the Chargers are going to do things when I haven't even seen them prove it. And then they had a head-to-head game last year versus Las Vegas to get into the playoffs and guess what? Las Vegas. A game that they were game. favored also. Yes. <laughs> Las Vegas went in there. The Broncos are interesting because I, I think that's a matter of what you think's left in Russell Wilson. I've watched Russ the last two years. I, I've seen a bit of a drop-off. Uh, you seem to be a little bit higher on him, uh, you know, through our conversations and other things. So I have them last, but, you know, y- you could also tell me Russ is healthy and Denver's ready to go and fly. So how did you sort of sort this, and why did you come out with KC on top and then sort of put Denver Chargers Vegas how you did? Okay, I'll tell you the main reason why I have Kansas City as the number one team in that division. Consistency. Yeah. They've been consistently the best team in that division, uh, regardless of what players I have on the outside, regardless of what players are under center. You're talking about the days with Alex Smith. Uh, this this team was competing regardless. They were always good. And a lot of it has to do with not just the front office, but also the coaching staff. Um, they do a really good job of keeping some consistency there, which is obviously really good for a team around all that thing. Uh, so that's the reason why I have them first. I think they're a really talented team in a really tough division, but they've been very consistent, which is why I think they're the top dogs in that division. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if you were to flip it around and tell me that you know, these three other teams are, are going to win that division. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, you can make that a case a... for everyone. Talent oh, yes, wise, definitely. These four teams are loaded. And honestly, you could maybe convince me that all four, 
uh, get into the playoffs. I know that's very difficult. We looked at it last year with the NFC West. It was close. It was and, close. And there's always one that sort of falls by the wayside. But uh, I, you could easily sit, look at this and say these four teams in the Bills probably are the four most talented teams in the AFC. So it, it really is a dice roll there. Uh, your, your point on the Chiefs, Andy Reid just wins football games. And I, I know the loss of Tyreek Hill, but... You know, you bring in Schuster, you bring in Scantling, you draft Sky Moore, you still have Hardman there, you have a really good offensive line. Yes, you're going to miss Hill's explosiveness, but I think you you cover that with now you have three or four really solid receivers, and if you need to go, uh, you know, over the middle and play a possession game, you can. You, you got Hardman, you got Moore to stretch the field. You can sort of cover for Tyreek Hill uh, as much as you like him. And Kelsey's still there. So, and I thought they brought in a, a couple decent pieces on the defensive side of the ball, too. I, I thought it was smart not to sort of re sign Mathal for uh, big money, sort of save money there, save money on Hill, build with some younger guys. But uh, I, I'm curious your thoughts on the Chargers here. Uh, we talked about it. Talent wise, they are loaded. Uh, I mentioned the thing where they've been loaded and they still haven't made the playoffs. And I have coaching questions. Uh, we watched that guy last year, and he was being insane. I, I know we all love math, and we all love going for it on fourth downs. but Not me. <laughs> but I don't think you can go for it on fourth down on your own 30 when you're playing another professional team. If you're in college football and you're Ohio State and you're playing the likes of Western Michigan, sure, go for it on your 30. Your defense will probably hold. But if the other team has professional-level players and you're handing them the ball on the 30, they're probably going to score points and punish you. So do you think that's just sort of a, a first-year thing with Staley and, and getting his bearings or... Is this going to continue to be a problem sort of all year long where the Chargers put themselves in difficult situations and have to do crazy things like in Las Vegas and launch 70 passes because they put themselves in the hole and get behind by 20 points and then ask Justin Herbert to make ridiculous throws the whole fourth quarter? Okay, a lot of my assessment as far as to where I put the Chargers had to do with how much talent they have sprinkled throughout, you know, both offense and defense. Um, yes, I know that the other teams in this division are also, you know, loaded with talent, but you look at the Chargers, there was definitely a progression offensively last year with Herbert, you know, and Eckler, and they seem to just, you know, make make plays happen. And and I know they, they fell short when they went up against the Raiders in that, uh, that you know, playoff game at the end uh, to get into the playoffs. Um, but I think that year two, you bring in, uh, you know, talent in the areas that you need it the most, which was basically on defense. Now, I know you're not a big, you know, uh, Khalil Mack defender. You know, you feel like he hasn't really lived up to the to the name that to the aura that his name brings. But well, three years ago, I was all for it. I've just watched him play the last two years, and he's not been the same force. So this is the thing, though. This is the thing. Okay, when I was looking at him, I, I was. It reminds me, and I know I'm not comparing them, okay? The snow makes this up, but it reminds me of, like, Aaron Donald. Yeah. Okay? Because you have a guy that's really, really talented. It's going to acquire a lot of attention from the opposing offensive line. 
Uh, and what that does is it frees up other guys. You look at Robert Quinn, a guy who had a lot of success when he was with the St. Louis Rams. I believe he led the league in, in sacks one year. Um, now you know, he's with Chicago. He was their leading uh, sack, I believe, uh, player last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it seems like having Khalil Mack there eases things for the rest of the players on that on that defensive line and uh, that defensive front. Uh, and I feel like that's what's going to happen. You don't have to be the main guy in in uh, L.A. with the Chargers. They've got their main guy already. All you got to do is go in there and impact the game, and I think that's going to help him, and it's going to help the Chargers also. So just based off talent, again, you could flip any of these teams and their position, and I wouldn't be shocked with that. But just based off the talent, based off last year's results, just the way I think things are going to pan out, uh, and that's why I've got the Chargers. Yeah, you could talk me into Mac having a, you know, sort of a rebirth. You know, it was a very bad situation in Chicago. He'd been hurt. You move him to the Chargers. You got Bosa on that side. You, you, you know, it, it frees him up a little bit too, where you can't double either side. Uh, so I, I agree that there could be some sort of Mac resurrection. It's just, it, it's sort of my same look with Denver as the last two years have it's not been the same player with russell wilson i've watched it has not been the same player khalil hasn't been the same player so i want to get your thoughts on denver here because i i think you still trust russ and think sort of the change of scenery here will uh sort of revive him and, and we'll get that russ from a couple years ago Listen, and, and I might be a little biased, okay, because I've seen this guy compete against my team for what feels like an eternity now. But I love Russell Wilson, and I, I don't know if you're allowed to say you love a guy from the opposing team from one of your rivals, but you know how I am. I, I'm pretty – I try to be Are non-biased when it, when it calls Smith for when Oh, I'm going to love Gino Smith. <laughs> I'm going to love Gino Smith. You best believe that. But – Listen, I, I try my best to be non-biased when the situation calls for it, okay? And, and I've always been one to admit, Russell Wilson is magic. I know that over the last couple of seasons, there's been some struggles. But if you look back at their championship years, it wasn't about that offense. It never was about the offense. It was always about the defense. The The big thing was that Russell Wilson would make magical ha- magical things happen, magical plays happen when the moment, uh, you know, didn't, didn't feel like it. Uh, and now I go back to that Super Bowl with the Patriots and he didn't make magic happen there, but that wasn't so much his fault. I don't know why you don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch in that situation, but that's either here nor there. I, I have a lot of respect for Russell Wilson as a competitor. I feel that he can make a lot of those situational, those key situational moments happen. And I feel like we've talked about it for the last couple of seasons. Denver was a pretty solid team that was a quarterback away from being competitive. Now I know that a lot of those pieces that we really liked on that team have moved on, but the core is still there. And I think that with the additions that they've had this offseason, I think they can be pretty good as long as Russell Wilson can play up to the standard that Russell Wilson is used to bringing. Yeah. I think that's the biggest question. Uh, I, I'm going to give a little love to Las Vegas because they were the team that ended up squirting out of that division last year. Not the Chargers, not the Broncos. They upgrade with Adams. You now got Adams and Renfro. I, I know there's been some things with Waller, but I sort of ignore that. You know, that's training camp. You know, yes, he's not playing, but okay. I think Waller knows the playbook. Whatever. Uh, I, I'm interested how Josh McDaniel sort of does with this team uh, it, it's certainly an upgrade from the special teams coach that they had taking over last year uh the only worry i have a little bit about las vegas is 
the defensive line is still really, really good. Uh, you know, linebackers, secondary, that's still a little scary. And the Raiders' offensive line is still a little scary. And, you know, if they can maintain enough blocking, I think they can score points. And I just like this Raiders team. And I think they're going to be... They're going to be in the mix here. I, I don't chalk them off because I, I was really, really impressed uh, with what they did last year. So I, I'm keeping my eye on this Raiders team. Let's move to some futures. This is probably the only division where I had a little bit sprinkled on uh, kind of everybody. Uh, we'll start with Kansas City. I got a bunch on Kansas City here. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl 10-1. to 1. I thought that was pretty good value uh considering they've been about five or six to one uh the last handful of years so you're getting a couple extra points there uh kansas city chiefs afc five to one uh kansas city to beat san francisco 75 to one uh this one i really like kansas city to beat philadelphia 130 to one in the super bowl i think that's really really good value that's a big big number uh for you know kansas city who i think is one of the three favorites out of the afc and uh we're about to get into part two here uh we'll go over my philadelphia uh love uh that might destroy all future bets uh coming through but uh really like that one uh, Chiefs Niners Super Bowl 45 to 1 Chiefs Eagles just to get to the Super Bowl 80 to 1 I thought that was really good value as well uh, exact order Chiefs Raiders Chargers Broncos that's 22 to 1 you know what the division finished last year Chiefs Raiders Chargers Broncos so uh, 22 to 1 seems like good value on that one and then I really like the Chiefs over 10.5 wins. I think the Chiefs can get to 12 to 13 wins here, even in this stack division. Uh, even money on that, so I like that one. Broncos, I'm flipping the other way. I, I'm going Russ isn't back. Someone's got to lose games in this division, so I'm going Broncos. Under 9.5 wins at plus 115, and then I got an alternate win total line. Broncos under 7.5 wins, plus 320. So I, I like that one at plus 320 under 7.5 because I, I think somebody's going to have to lose games and somebody's going to have to fall by the wayside. And then we move to the Raiders. AFC West winner, 7-1. to one. So if they can sneak up there and win Division 7-1, to one, I, I think that's pretty good value because I think all these teams are in and around the same talent level. And then uh, I'm just going to do it because everybody is packing on love with the Chargers, but Chargers under 10 wins, plus 120. Uh, I'll just eat it if they win 10 games, but they haven't won 10 games in, I don't know, eight years so uh i'm not all that worried about that one all right what do you got on the afc west side of things uh, i'm gonna take in such a stacked division uh as we mentioned we wouldn't be surprised with any of these teams uh flip-flopping position uh i'm gonna take the raiders to get a wild card spot at plus 310 again we mentioned if there's any division that's got a potential to get four teams in yeah. it's probably this division just like the nfc did last year uh so i think that putting the raiders a team that i'm not 100% sold on, but I still think they can be really good. Um, I think getting them to a wild card spot at plus three ten has pretty good value. All right, that wraps up part one for the AFC. Be sure to catch part two for the NFC. And that's our show, and we're out.